Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi everyone, this is Carmen. And Christina. And this is Historias Unknown, a podcast where we talk about Latin American history. Sometimes it's horrible and deals with heavy topics like racism, corruption, and genocide. But more than that, it's also about resistance, power, and community. And so today I have a topic that this first episode is more like providing context for next episode. So we're doing a two-parter. Yeah. Oh, you're doing a two-parter. <laughs> no. Two-parter, two-parter. Is this our first? No. What am I saying? It's not. <laughs> I was like, is this our first two-parter? But we've had like a whole three or four series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, And... So I'm going to be talking about Guatemala Civil War. And I mean, it's it's brief because there's entire books right about it, entire probably like, you know, so this is more brief, right? Super brief. Like you say, every episode is an introductory episode and you have the resources linked for anyone that wants to read more. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with that being said, content warning for violence, murder, genocide horrible it's just horrible for everything though. yeah yeah mm. so just be prepared all right guatemala's civil war was from 1960 to 1996 that's that's a long time uh, yeah it is a long yeah. time and that's that before that there was still and you've talked about it and i'll get into that right now it's been a tough road cause <laughs> of course by who by the yeah. united states by who <laughs> So, um, yeah, we've talked about Guatemala before. Um, it's been a while because you talked about Guatemala's mistreatment of indigenous people in our very first episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That episode's titled Bitter Cup of Coffee, Coffee and Capitalism in Guatemala and El Salvador. And in that episode, you talk about a lot that I am also because you, you kind of get more into El Salvador and scorched earth methods and stuff yeah. like that and we're gonna talk a little bit about stuff like that today because it's very similar like guatemala's trajectory and el salvador's trajectory and what is the one thing in common it is the united states <laughs> wow i'm well. shocked truly <laughs> wow yeah so yeah you talked about land reform mm -hmm. the law that land reform law and how the democratically elected president that was killed over that in a coup. But you talked more about like, not necessarily that, but whatever. We're, this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, okay. So um, he was, oh, actually he wasn't killed then. So I, I had that wrong. But he was overthrown in a coup. Yes. Uh, orchestrated by the United States. Right. Um, so this is a, a president, Ar Ar Arnes? Arbenz. Arbenz. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, and then we also talked about Guatemala in the episode about um, international adoption in Guatemala, but I didn't get into the violence or civil war or anything, only to say. I think you just mentioned that it was happening. Yeah. That like the, the, in the backdrop of. Sorry, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut up. 
so yeah, I only mentioned like that the civil war was a major factor in the corrupted um, international adoption industry, like the aftermath, I guess, of like the violence of the civil war mm, led w- led to allowed. <laughs> um, yes, there you go. Yeah. Uh, what happened with the adoption um, to take place? Yeah. yeah. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I recommend these episodes. Um, you know, we need to give context uh, to the context. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you know, I love context. <laughs> yes, context. We're here for it. Um, because what I am ultimately wanting to talk about is a amazing woman named Myrna Mack. You know her? <laughs> she she was on my topic list, too. Okay. I added her to our topic list yes. because I was like... I need to read more about her, but, but I'm glad you're covering her. Yeah. There was a book I wanted to read. Oh, I didn't even see a book. I found a few articles. I'll show you the book oh, okay, when cool. we're done. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, the thing I love about us doing this is, like, it, I learned about so many books, like, and I mm-hmm. talk a little bit about Bitter Fruit here, and I haven't read it all still. <laughs> but I will. <laughs> but you will. Now yeah. I'm, I'm reading again, so... <laughs> Yeah, you have time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, yeah, that's who I want to talk about and what the next episode will be about. But we need context to know, like, what was going on in her life because she's from Guatemala. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's get into it. So the roots of Guatemala Civil War can be tied back to June 27th, 1954, when the CIA orchestrated a coup against President Jacobo Arbenz Guzman to protect the profits of the infamous United Fruit Company. (laughs) The United Fruit Company makes another appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But even before that, for the earlier part of the century, Guatemalan presidents protected the interests of the United Fruit Company and landowners with one president, Jorge Ubico, doing the most backwards bending to please the United Fruit Company. And this is what you talked about in the coffee episode, but he essentially forced indigenous people or peasants, as they're often referred to. And they were um, Maya people largely. And so he forced them to work for landowners and impose vagrancy laws to force them to comply. And these were the mandamiento laws that Christina talked about in the coffee episode. And she goes way into more detail about those laws. So I highly recommend throwback to our first episode to learn more about that. And then, of course, as all dictators do, Ubico also jailed his opponents and quieted dissidents. You know, typical dictator behavior. Mm-hmm. And as typically happens with dictators, the people eventually rose against him and his regime. In 1944, a coalition of middle class professionals, teachers and others were inspired by FDR's New Deal and they launched a democracy movement. And soon the movement gained favor with unions and the working class. And this snowballed into a popular uprising that forced Ubico into resigning. So then in 1945, Guatemala had its first democratic election and Juan Jose Arevalo was elected as president. Arevalo was a university philosophy professor and an author. And previously he, you know, before he came back after Ubico being forced to resign, he had been exiled in Argentina, and apparently he was hot. <laughs> <laughs> the article I read described him as tall, handsome, and heavily built. And I did, you know, upon reading that, I had to look him up. And, you know, I just got to say, not my type, but, you know, that's okay, besides uh, the point. What's his name again? His name is Juan Jose Arevalo. 
And yeah, that's literally the article said people liked him because he was tall, handsome, and heavily built. Oh, okay, no. Yeah, wow. so I'm like, I guess the the beauty standards were different back then. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> but we're not here to talk about his appearance. <laughs> no, no. No, we're not. You're right. So uh, after six <laughs> years, he became the first uh, democratically ele- el- elected president. Um, and he um, did a lot for the people. And he recognized and he was not the one who passed the law but he recognized that a lot of the major economic issues of the country was due to a small percentage of the rich owning a majority of the land so he recognized that after six years of presidency Jacobo Arbenz Guzman was voted into presidency and succeeded Arevalo. Arbenz swore to further Arevalo's peaceful revolution by redistributing all unused lands to peasants, indigenous people. And this was crucial, right? Because only 2% of landowners owned 72% of the arable land. And because I had to look it up, let me just explain what that means. Because <laughs> I was like, what is that word? <laughs> Which, like, I get it. Like, that's an insane amount. Um, and arable land is just workable land. Yeah, like farm land, really. And I didn't know that before. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and then out of that land, majority of the land that they owned, they were not even using most of it. It was just sitting there, yeah, you know, doing nothing. <laughs> so then the following year in 1952, Advance persuaded the Guatemalan Congress to pass Decree 900, which ordered the expropriation of all property larger than 600 acres and not in cultivation, meaning he ordered this land to be taken from the land over owners. Yeah, by the government for public use. Um, Also, because I didn't know what that word expropriation meant. So (laughs) actually, yeah, it's a a big word. Yeah. Yeah. It's a word we don't use often. So um, or ever. Yeah, ever. (laughs) So, yeah, the government took this land for public use. And in this case, the public use was land reform. Right. So the lands were to be divided up among those that didn't own land and the owners were to receive compensation based on the land's value as well as 25-year government bonds. And then the peasants were to receive low-interest government loans to buy their plots. So the article I read was like, this land reform program was not even that radical. Like, it wasn't that wild. (laughs) I was literally just going to say that, but I was waiting to see if you were going to say it because I was going to say, when you look at it, it's not even... It's it's not not really land back. It's something that would have been radical would have been to just give it back to the people it belonged to because uh, like we talked about in the coffee episode, indigenous, indigenous people would live, you know, in these lands and then seasonally harvest whatever thing that they were growing in that land and it was a communal mm-hmm. farm basically and then you know these are taken away and not being used by these rich landowners and so yeah for it to be then given quote-unquote given back but be- they had to still pay for it yeah um that's not radical but still it was too radical for the united states and the united fruit company mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. exactly and it not it didn't even affect all the land that you know the rich owned it only affected large estates so out of 341,000 landowners, only 1,700 holdings were confiscated. These holdings only represented half of the private land in the country. 
And then the majority of that did belong to the United Fruit Company. So, yeah, it's not even all the land. Like, no. And it's just sitting there like you're you guys are such bitches. Um, the yeah, United they're Fruit just Company. what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are no words. Yeah. Um, so Advance pissed off the United Fruit Company even more when he then confiscated a huge chunk of the company's land and offered $1.2 million for it. But this was based on the tax value of the United Fruits Companies, United Fruits, United Fruit Companies own accountants. So okay, they so, valued it at that. So I'm like, why were they mad? <laughs> yeah, because they're bitches. Yeah. So the fruit company countered with 16 million, even though they valued their assets at 1.2 million before the decree wow. was passed. Wow. Advance, of course, refused, and because of that. Secretary of the State and full bitch John Foster Dules. Oh my God, this bitch! <laughs> Sorry, I did a whole. Uh huh. Um, I for for this podcast called Horror Story, I wrote a whole script on fucking MK Ultra, oh. and you know how many times mm-hmm. I heard Dules, the Dules brothers. Oh. I'm so sick of them. I'm so sick of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then CIA director, his brother. And also mm-hmm. full bitch, Alan Dole. <laughs> <laughs> and why were they brothers like working together? Like in nepotism? What was going on there? Uh, have you listened to the Behind the Bastards episode on oh. the first Dole's brother? Or was it no. Alan Dole's? So they did a whole... I don't think I you have. You know what? I think they did a full three-part on the Dole's brothers themselves. But basically they had a, a uncle in government oh, who was like the secretary of, of state. Course. Nepotism, of course. And that uncle then got john doles the position and alan doles the position and then they just grew from there and then they got even more well they were more well liked than their own uncle at that point uh and but yeah that's how they started their uncle was the secretary of state back then i need to listen to those episodes Mm -hmm. yeah i knew it was an epitism but yeah full (laughs) bitches i hate them yeah what else what else would it be but yeah exactly Ugh, the doles brothers fuck them literally (laughs) changed the course of history to how they want want whatever yeah. you know what i'm they yeah. cause so much harm mm-hmm. wreck so much yeah. <laughs> lives destabilized entire countries uh and laughed about it mm, enjoyed my God. it i yeah i can't believe people are that sick truly i don't know evil. like fucking sickos it truly like i don't like the the words like there's no words to describe no, someone no. like that yeah but like literally alan doles is like responsible for the destabilization of like guatemala and so many latin american countries mm-hmm. and other countries like yeah oh evil oh anyway sorry go on i had to no, yell that <laughs> i appreciated that because i didn't know like about them but i'm gonna have to check out those episodes now yeah because there's one there's one like there's like a two or three part series on just them mm-hmm. and then there's a whole like four or five part series on mk ultra which alan doles i listened played to a big part i'm in. pretty yeah. sure i listened to that one to mk okay mk ultra episodes but i don't remember the doles brothers being mentioned probably because i yeah because the alan doles was the cia cia director uh-huh. yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah. i probably just didn't like remember obviously mm-hmm. i didn't remember their yeah, names yeah yeah, and it's it, the only reason I I it's so fresh in my mind is because this episode was not that long ago, but I read like two whole books for oh my the God. research. <laughs> wow, it's a good episode if anyone wants to listen to horror story. I did. I um, listened to that episode, but I don't remember their names. 
Oh, yeah. It's very brief that I mentioned oh, them because okay. I focused on uh, the Sydney Gottlieb. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I did listen to it. Um, I was hired by mm-hmm. Alan Dole's. Mm-hmm. Um, trash, beyond, mm-hmm. all of them. <laughs> Irreprehensible, whatever that word is. I think I just added extra <laughs> words to it. Anyway, letters, I mean. Um, so, <laughs> so these two fools convinced Eisenhower that they had to get rid of Advance. And of course, Alan and John had a vested interest in seeing this land reform fail and the United Fruit Company succeed because they were former partners of the United Fruit Company's main law firm. So, you know, anything and everything for capitalism. Mm-hmm. So with John and Alan's advice, Eisenhower authorized the CIA's Operation Success, which was the plan for the armed overthrow of Advance, and that took place in June 1954. The CIA then chose... Guatemalan colonel is how you pronounce that, right? Colonel? Yes. Yeah, not colonel. The fuck is up with that word? <laughs> I uh, don't even know. So, yeah, they chose Guatemalan colonel Carlos Castillo Armas to lead the coup. And they financed and trained Castillo's rebels in Somoza's Nicaragua. Another dictatorship. Another story for another day. <laughs> uh-huh. Also propped up by the United States. Uh, and Alan Dole's. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I, I am had a sick hand of in this the man, destabilization like. <laughs> of Nicaragua. Yeah, I'm so fucking sick of it. I'm He's <laughs> about to spit on my coffee. <laughs> More than 9,000 Advance supporters were arrested during and after the coup. And the U.S. government immediately, because of course this was their doing, <laughs> they immediately mm-hmm. recognized Castillo's government. You know, never mind that it came to power in such a violent and illegal way. Mm-hmm. And they also gave his government hella foreign aid. I saw the numbers for the first year and it was like in the ballpark of like 53 million or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, And that was just the first year. Wow. Castillo returned his promise uh, and swiftly, you know, gave back more than 1.5 million acres to the United Fruit Company and other big land owners. And he also outlawed more than 500 unions. So, this is just exhausting to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) It's infuriating, really. So, thanks to the United States. And that's only the beginning of it. This was 40 years long that Mm -hmm. resulted out of this coup, right? So, Mm -hmm. thanks to the United States, capitalism, and the United Fruit Companies, democracy's brief stint in Guatemala was over. And over the next 40 years, Guatemalans suffered so extremely that it's difficult to put into words. One American observer described it in the following way. In Guatemala City, unlicensed vans full of heavily armed men pulled to a stop and in broad daylight kidnap another death squad victim. Mutilated bodies are dropped from helicopters on crowded stadiums to keep the population terrified. Oh my god. I know. I did not know the extent of it. It And this is just like the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get into it too much. But anyway, yeah, the quote goes on. Those who dare ask about disappeared loved ones have their tongues cut out. That's the end of the quote. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then I I, now that I'm remembering, I did briefly talk about Guatemala having the same issues um, as Argentina about forced disappearances when I talked about Azucena Villaflor in Mm -hmm. that episode. (sighs) Truly horrific stuff. Um, And there's so much more out there and this is where i mentioned that book bitter fruit is a great resource to learn more about it 
Armas ended up being assassinated in 1957. And in 1960, the decades-long civil war began when leftist groups rose up to resist the government's repression. More than 200,000 people died in the civil war, which ended in 1996. And out of those 200,000 people, about 83% were Maya. Oh, my God. That's so much. Oh um, my god. Well, this is this is the genocide yes. mentioned in the movie The Curse of La not the Curse of La Llorona, La Llorona by mm. um Jairo Bustamante. Mm. Um you see in the movie protests happening, people asking for their loved ones, signs of people looking for their loved ones, and then in the whole movie that the main character is undergoing a trial for the genocide of the um Maya Maya Ishtil, I want to say. Oh, so yeah, this was a time period classified by violence, turmoil, murder squads, and human rights violations. There's a report from 1999 written by the Commission for Historical Clarification, um, with and this was researched and completed with the support of the. Um, uh, oh my God! What are they called that? <laughs> I didn't oh, write Ixil, it. like oh. I X I L. Oh, okay. Yeah. The UN. Sorry. I um, have yes, full-blown yes. blink. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Brain fart right there. So they did this report. Um, You can find it online still. And this report detailed human rights violations committed by the state, majority of it by the army and some by the police during the Civil War. Some of this included kidnapping and assassinating political activists, students, union, unionists, and human rights advocates, um, forced disappearances of political and social leaders and peasants, the systematic use of torture, massacres, oh as in gosh. more than one massacre um, yeah. of Maya communities, which included children, women, and the elderly. Uh, said massacres utilize scorched earth methods and prepare for this number. A total of 626 massacres were committed. What the fuck? Oh my God. Yeah. <gasps> like it's. Wow. I wow. don't. I I feel like my mind can't even comprehend the level of violence. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And truly, truly, truly heinous, horrible acts of violence were committed against the Maya. I'm not going to describe them too much because it's truly horrible. But I do think it's important to know and talk about one to not forget the victims. And also to know that this violence was fostered by the United States. Part of talking about it for me is so that we don't allow others to forget how morally corrupt and disgusting the United States is. Yeah. And what they've done and allowed to happen in the name of capitalism and imperialism. Yeah. So some of these violent acts included beating children against walls, throwing them alive into pits, um, burning people alive and opening the wombs of pregnant women. Oh, my God. I literally I read more about it and I like cried (laughs) a little bit because it's so disgusting. Wow. And horrible. Like people like people went through this 
and all of this horrible violence, you know, can be traced back to the United States. And, and you know, um, on that, like, people will say, oh, like, yeah, the United States was paying them, but they didn't tell them to do these things. But, but they trained no, them. They trained them exactly. to do these things. Yes. That's, why, that's why the literal same methods are seen in the same type of wars mm-hmm. in El Salvador, in Nicaragua, in Honduras, yeah. in Via- Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the methods they learned. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're using them. And yeah. yeah, these men are also evil. Everyone who did those things, but they were trained to do that. By the United States. So, yeah, yeah. we can still say... It's still, all of it traces back the, to the United States. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> so, and there's so much more about this. I didn't do too much reading about, you know, the aftermath, I guess, like what happened, you know, to people. I know that people got away. People in authority got away with this. Uh, I know that people were not really held accountable. Well, yeah. And um, I mean, not to go back to that same movie. No, go but ahead. the movie ends in a very realistic way. Mm-hmm. The general that was ordering all this went to trial then there was like a mistrial and then during the time that there was supposed to be a new trial he died Mm. and yeah Mm -hmm. there was never any accountability for the genocide that's also very common we know we talked about that for el salvador um Mm -hmm. so yeah nobody was really held accountable a lot of this didn't come to light till after and a lot of the atrocities that came to light about that were committed against the um, indigenous community came to light because of Mirna's work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had a hand in, you know, all of this coming to light and researching this. And people didn't want her to research this um, no. because they wanted to keep this quiet. Right. Um, and mm-hmm. in that, and it's, you know, so what I'm going to talk about next episode is her work. And she was a, she was an anthropologist. Yeah. And so if you remember, even when we talked about El Salvador and the mass graves that were mm-hmm. found, a- anthropologists from Argentina were brought yeah. in to then find all the victims, yeah. find out who they were. And so that was a lot of her work. And I'm assuming, I haven't read too much about it, but it involves mass graves. Yeah, it probably does. Yeah. I, I read, I, so the, Reading I'd done so far. I mean, I read it, but, you know, I don't remember it because I remember it once I type it out. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But um, she uncovered a lot of the um, what I just talked about that was committed against yeah. the Maya. And, you know, people quieted her for that. You know, she was murdered because of her work. And mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about it more, you know, when I talk about her. But her family fought for many years for justice for her. And, uh, you know, there was impunity in guatemala throughout all all of this right so you know and the same thing can be said for the uh, people that killed mirna so and i also i remember just now that i also did talk about impunity and how rampant it was in guatemala when i um, talked about the violence against the union workers in the coca-cola episode so yeah there was just like impunity all around like and you know basically that just means like people are not punished for the horrible shit they do yeah in a purposeful like you know way from the government like the government let people get away with shit mm-hmm. and so yeah that's what i'm going to talk about next episode about Mirna and her story and what she fought for but you know this 
all of this that I talked about was going on in the background of her life. Um, and she mm-hmm. fought to bring all, a lot of this to people's attention. Yeah. And just to go back to the, I mean, the genocide, this is why when people are like, oh, why do you have to make everything about race? Like literally being alive for Maya people in Guatemala is like an act of resistance because literally living there day to day is mm-hmm. an act of resistance because the government actively was trying to wipe them from the face of this earth, like actively trying to do that. What I mean, like, what did you say? 83% yeah. of the the deaths that happened mm-hmm. yeah i mean 626 massacres against them and not yeah. only that but they um along with the horrible violence they also destroyed uh ceremonial centers sacred places and cultural symbols of the maya so this is full that was full-blown genocide and still they're doing shit you know like it doesn't end it never ends just like here in the united states the yeah. government doesn't stop trying to silence indigenous people it doesn't stop trying to end their culture and their you know ways of lives because it actively goes against capitalism yep yep um anyway the book out i might order it too but uh paradise and ashes is the book oh i saw you sent it to me yeah a guatemalan journey of courage terror and hope and it is written by beatriz man mans and uh yeah you know i think i will order it you know so what I, I saw too? Also, um, uh-huh. Linked in a couple of the articles that I um, read for this. Mm-hmm. That Pablo Neruda has a poem about the United Fruit Company. Have you read it? Yes. Oh, Should I we haven't. look for it? Yeah, I was just doing that right now. Okay. It's just horrible. You know, what what ha- what was done and what has been done worldwide, you know, for what? For profit? For these. Okay, so this is the English translation. When the trumpet sounded, everything was prepared on Earth and Jehovah gave the world to Coca-Cola, Incorporated, Anaconda, Ford Motors, and other corporations. The United Fruit Company reserved for itself the most juicy piece, the central coast of my world, the delicate waste of America. Wow. It rebaptized these countries, banana republics, and over the sleeping dead, over the unquiet heroes who won greatness, liberty, and banners, it established an opera Bufa. It's a comic opera. Oh, also like a joke. That is. Oh, okay. It abolished free will, gave out imperial crowns, encouraged envy, attracted the dictatorship of flies, Trujillo flies, Tacho's flies, Garia's flies, Martinez flies, Ubico flies, flies sticky with submissive blood and marmalade, drunken flies that buzz over the tombs of the people, circus flies, wise flies, expert at tyranny. With the bloodthirsty flies came the fruit company, amassed coffee and fruit in ships, which put to sea like overloaded trays with treasures from our sunken lands. Meanwhile, the Indians fall into the sugar depths of the harbors and are buried in the morning mist. A corpse rolls, a thing without name, a discarded number, a bunch of rotten fruit thrown on the garbage heap. Oh my God. (laughs) I got chills. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the link too because it's and I mean and in Spanish I think it's more like impactful honestly. Okay, yeah, because I'm reading it in English too right now. Yeah, I have one that has both of them in there. Um, and it it just truly like <sighs> horrifying. Um, and so I mean I just need people, and I think a lot. I I think our listeners know how horrible the United States is. <laughs> they should by now, but you know, tell your friends. <laughs> yeah 
Like, this is what the United States has done to our people. Yeah. And they continue Mm -hmm. to do this Mm -hmm. shit, you know? So, I mean, there's so much more to say about the Civil War. I do so want to learn more about it. You know, what happened afterwards. And some of this will be talked about, I think, next episode as well. But, like, I mean, there's always, there's always more to learn. And even though this is always, like, it's hard to talk about. But, I mean, it's like I said earlier, like, part of this podcast and part of us talking about it is for people to remember to not forget (laughs) yes and just you know as always like no fuck this country (laughs) (laughs) like yep oh and i'm sorry i had another thought because i oh yeah i didn't end up using this article for my research but i read um just about how the united states hand in all of this violence and destabilization in latin america right and so a lot of people are like oh these countries are so violent oh they're so violent but uh, the violence was fostered by the united states right like and people learned after you know all the violence caused by people trained from the united states and there was an end goal to this violence right like they weren't just acting like this for no reason uh but yeah from all of that violence like people learned oh murder is the way to get what i need like yeah like the violence grew because of the united states so like and all and i feel like a lot of what we talk about is so inner connected yeah it really is so it is hard sometimes to be like okay we're gonna talk about this one thing and then like later on we're like oh we talked about it like <laughs> Yeah, because it's all it all is intertwined by one place. Yeah, because like what I made me think of that right now is like, okay, like the gangs um, and the gang violence in Honduras, in Salvador, in Guatemala, like all of this can be traced back to like a culture of violence that was fostered and, and grown from the United States. Yeah, yeah. And also when you're in a war and torn country and you grow up with that, it it causes trauma that is passed down yeah. to later generations. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's all connected. It's why you see violence and, and violent crimes yeah. and higher numbers in mm-hmm. areas like this, like, because it's all connected. Drug use, like everything, everything. And it all goes step back to, you know, things like this. And yeah. then the United States and people who are willfully ignorant about all of this want to just, you know, not assume i don't know responsibility for any of this um want to mm-hmm. act like the united states had no hand in this mm-hmm. and you know want to close off <laughs> aid want to close off our borders um when it's like no people are coming here as a direct because result of the united states of the yeah the united states participation in destabilizing yeah those countries because when you no longer when the land's destroyed because of everything like it just it's no it's too much to even yeah it is it is too much um yeah you know yeah so so yeah (laughs) that was uh today's episode well i look forward to the next part yeah and we it was a lot so you know let's as always take care of ourselves (laughs) yes yes (sighs) (laughs) did we just sigh at the same time we sure did (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well hopefully this was one less historia unknown for everyone yes thank you everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time bye bye